Hi, this is Rebecca Fannin. I'm the founder and host of the Silicon Dragon podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing Gary Rochelle. Uh, Gary is a well-known venture capitalist who has invested in the U.S. and China for many years, and he is one of the leading healthcare investors, too. Uh, so we're going to be talking today about how Qingming and the fund is so well-positioned uh, today in helping to combat the coronavirus and how all these cutting-edge healthcare investments, not only in China, but in the U.S., are uh, rising to the challenge. So, Gary, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rebecca. Uh, so now, uh, I was particularly interested in this one company that's working on a vaccine. Uh, it's from a Chinese company, CanSino Biologics, that Qiming invested in. Now, um, I understand that this is one of the first vaccine candidates that's entering the clinical research phase and that uh, it's being trialed in Wuhan. So can you uh, tell us what the impact of this is being? What is the significance? I mean, here you have this portfolio company in China that's working to uh, help find the cure. Well, I think that when you look at uh, what CanSino is doing, um, it is true. So CanSino worked with some of the Chinese government uh, labs when the Ebola crisis hit a few years ago. So CanSino worked with the, some of the government uh, organizations in China to create the first Chinese-developed uh, Ebola vaccine. Mm -hmm. So CanSino actually has some experience in doing this. And so um, they, they began working on this at the beginning of January. Um, Pretty much they and several folks in the U.S. Um, were able within a two-month, effectively a two-month period of time, to develop a vaccine and begin uh, patient trials, which mm -hmm. is extraordinarily fast mm. for vaccines. Now, one of the things that you have to be realistic about, however, are vaccines are a long-term solution. So the vaccine trials take a great uh, deal of time and a great deal of reporting so the CanSino trials will have to be done, number one, they'll have to scale up the number of patients in China, and number two, they'll have to handle the reporting and increase dosages and manage the patients over a period of time, which is why Dr. Fauci on, from USCDC, when, when he talks and talks about the fact that it's 12 to 18 months best case for a vaccine, mm -hmm. that's why that time frame is so, uh, is so long. On the other hand, there's also dozens of companies now doing therapeutic uh, products, and those are going into trial very quickly to help patients who already have the coronavirus. And so Qiming actually has had nearly a dozen companies working on uh, various aspects of the coronavirus in the U.S. and China over the last uh, two to three months. Right. Now, one of them is working on a quicker way to have a diagnosis as well, right? Yeah, so, in, so there's a company, Intervision, which is an AI-enabled uh, image diagnostics mm -hmm. uh, company that has that has developed a very quick scan, a CT scan for lungs, uh, that will show you the presence of the vaccine very, very quickly. Um, so that company um, has been has had its equipment installed in Wuhan and other parts of China now over the last uh, you know four to six weeks. Um, the the uh, CEO just gave a nice interview on uh, on CNN, mm -hmm. uh, talking about the, what they actually did to optimize the AI component 
of the image processing for the coronavirus, which is, I see. You know, which is quite quite interesting. Uh, one of the another chaining portfolio company, Barry Genomics, mm-hmm. was one of the first companies to use the D- to do the DNA analysis on the coronavirus. Um, and then just today, another company, but the U.S. company, Let's Get Checked, or a U.S. invested company, Let's Get Checked, announced a, a two-part test uh, for COVID-19, which allows a very immediate indication for the presence or absence of infection. And then a second step, um, if you want to have definitive confirmation. So in terms of drive-through, to, to very, very quickly eliminate uh, false positives, you're able to go through, get tested. You're, you have confidence you did not have right. uh, the virus, and that's and that's now uh, being rolled out starting uh, next Monday. So, you know, we have 107 portfolio companies in the Chiming you know, healthcare portfolio, and I think we're fortunate to really have you know outstanding you know people, um, and several of them have been I think quite uh, quite instrumental in moving the therapeutic and vaccine uh, front forward on this virus. Oh yeah. Well, another one that I found really fascinating was UB Tech, the uh, AI company that has these humanoid robots where they have a new AI-enabled body temperature detection uh, solution. Uh, that's amazing as well. And then the uh, Unisound, which is another AI company that's uh, doing uh, collecting information by making automatic phone calls to residents and enterprises. And so... Uh, it really seems that you have a lot of these uh, cutting-edge technology and healthcare companies out there um, uh, trying to uh, win this battle. And, uh, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting, too, that Cheeming uh, had always been a healthcare investor, right? Well, we started, when we started Cheeming and uh, closed our first fund in January of 2006, um, we always had a dedicated healthcare team that we built out in to a substantial number of people, I believe 15 people now full-time on the investment team on, uh, on healthcare. Um, when you mentioned Unisound and you mentioned mm-hmm. UBTech, right. what is really interesting, also InfraVision, what's really interesting is the intersection of healthcare and what we call core technology or AI. Okay. And in the, in the past, you didn't really see the applicability of technology to the healthcare uh, area as much. Um, it was not quite ready um, mm-hmm. for prime time, if you will. And then mm-hmm. and, the, and the healthcare folks were always taking the position, well, you really can't help us unless you know everything about there is to know about healthcare. So therefore, you know, we have to take the lead. And the tech guys would take the position, well, uh, it's just a matter of data. So they would take the lead, but they wouldn't really know what they were doing. So within Ming now, we have a handful of companies, uh, Unisound, uh-huh. Uh, UB Tech, mm-hmm. uh, Infravision are three of them where they actually were, they actually have cooperation on the applications that are being developed between both the healthcare team and the tech team. And so, you know, having a hardcore tech practice, uh, not just consumer internet, but a really hardcore tech practice and the healthcare practice and having them in the same shop has allowed us to get these companies get these you know, get these companies advice from two different perspectives, which on this particular issue is is really valuable. Right. Now the CEOs and the teams at these companies must be uh, racing 
uh, to meet the demand. How, how are they handling this on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I think that you, what, you, what you quickly realize is you know, there's a number of companies that made a decision to not pursue something in COVID-19. And the reason was it would take them one to two years because that's the time frame that their particular uh, processes would take. Mm -hmm. And so they, I think, correctly said for them, chasing this is not is not worthwhile. Right. For companies, especially on diagnostics, um, where you are really working on the early detection or on reagents, where you're developing the, the uh, you know, chemicals that go into the, the, the final vaccines, therapeutics, I think that those companies um, right now are in a process of you know, rapidly scaling up. Um, mm -hmm. the, the sheer, and you have a third of the planet today under some form of quarantine, which is mm -hmm. a staggering number. Um, so clearly, clearly nothing, not even, not even the famous Chinese internet, consumer internet uh, scaling is fast enough for what you have to do in some of these, uh, sure. in some of these situations. And so companies, if they have a good solution, They'll, they will absolutely struggle to get it out as quickly, but then they'll also have to be prudent in doing it in a way that is uh, productive for their business. So. Right. right. So what, one of the other interesting aspects of this is how China and the U.S. are working together now on technology uh, to fight the coronavirus. The, the, some of these home testing kits have U.S. and China components, and I'm sure some of your portfolio companies are have U.S. partners that are seeing this collaboration happen, you know, at a time where U.S.-China relations have been really bad and, you know, arguably they still are not great um, and could get worse uh, given uh, the image uh, problems associated with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, but uh, what do you think, how do you think that this is going to impact um, U.S.-China relations? Do you see this as a positive that technology companies are working together to find solution across the border, U.S. and China together? Um, how do you see this um, uh, shaking out? So I would say anything that causes the U.S. and China to work together is a positive. And there are clearly problems in the world that uh, can be solved much more efficiently and much more effectively by the best brains in the U.S. and China working together. And COVID-19 is an example of kind of hits and misses. So you know, you're looking at uh, the DNA, you know, sharing of the DNA data, you're looking at the sharing of the trial vaccine data, you're looking at the sharing of the therapeutic data. Those are, those are the good examples. The bad examples are the lack of transparency in terms of when you identify a problem and when you start to um, share the fact that you think you have a problem um, the, the reality is that on the vaccine development side, um, China took the position uh, that it needed to have its own vaccine, and part of that is it's part of it. It makes sense, but part of it also is this sense of competition that kind of creeps into some of these joint development projects. So I would say you're completely correct that the the overall impact is positive. And I think that hopefully we can hang on to that and that, that will continue to allow us to work uh, together more effectively in the future. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, it, it clearly could have been better, too. Right, right. But turning to a business uh, aspect of this whole story, 
how do you think this is going to impact uh, Qingming performance, uh, the fund performance? You have all these healthcare tech companies out there fighting on the front lines, and I'm sure they're going to see huge increase in revenues. Uh, how is this going to impact your portfolio overall? Well, it's it's actually quite interesting. We, if, if you wanted to pick one area to be heavily invested in in China for the next decade, um, healthcare would probably be at the top of the list. And so, I would say that that was some somewhat uh, good, somewhat foresight on our part, right. and somewhat just the reality that that's a part of China's uh, economy and the society that still needs a great deal of development. Right. Um, so on the healthcare side, we have a company that's approved for listing next Monday. So that, even in the middle of all this, um, well, there's a healthcare company, Sanyo, that's going to be listing on the domestic exchange. Um, we've had uh, three financings closed in the last month, uh, two in the AI category, or two in the healthcare category, one in the AI category. So the business of venture capital will continue. And part of what you have to realize is, what you always have to remember is that for our business, we play in such a small percentage of the actual small and medium-sized enterprises and startups. And since what we're typically doing is investing in companies that are at the cutting edge of technology, regardless of the sector, whether it's technology or, or health, traditional technology or healthcare, most of what we're doing really is not targeted at the market today, tomorrow. It's targeted at the market 2021, 2022, 20 or beyond. And so we have different time, we have a very different time frame in looking at this compared to what a public market investor uh, might be looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think, the, I, I think the, the other thing for us is you know, we've, we've always been able to raise capital when we needed it. Um, and I think that that's, uh, you know, that's continuing um, in, a, in a very positive way. I think we'll, uh, we won't have any issues on that side. Right. Um, the second, the second thing, the, the, the really interesting thing for me when you're thinking out over a longer period of time are the longer term repercussions of this. And clearly working from home has just received one of the largest beta tests of all time. That's for um, sure. The same thing, the same thing for online education. Yes. So these, these are all things and these are all things that were kind of slow rolling and were kind of going through the market, but were never a mainstream. They are now going to be a mainstream. Oh yeah. So when you look at when you look at what that means long term for employment, when you look at what that means long term for commercial real estate, mm-hmm. how much you know how much facilities you need. I mean, there's there's real risks in the systemic risks in the system because of these becoming because of online education and, and working from home becoming mm-hmm. a much more permanent part of the uh, of the society infrastructure. Oh, I agree, and and it's quite remarkable how well the infrastructure is holding up the internet infrastructure i mean oh absolutely it's it's uh, i mean zoom no netflix i mean the amount of additional burden that has been put on the system uh the stress test if you will of the underlying technology in the last uh, 30 days 40 days on a global basis is quite remarkable and it's and you hear very very little about outages or uh, really significant problems getting you know online purchases or critical uh, online tasks done. Mm-hmm. Um, I do video conferencing three or four times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I, I've never had one that was not usable. There were some that were impacted a little bit, but generally they've been very, very uh, mm-hmm. usable. 
Um, so from that perspective, um, it's 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 not the way you'd like to have to test the system, but it's it's reassuring to know that the underlying uh, infrastructure works. Right. Now, uh, Gary, on a personal note, how are you handling the stress of these uncertain times? So what I do is I go for long walks every day. Um, I, uh, you know, we, we do have some friends around that have all, have all been through the appropriate uh, uh, sheltered time frames that uh, we get mm-hmm. together. But And it's also, it's remarkable when you give someone a great deal of free time. So I've been organizing photos. I've been redoing lots of stuff with the books. We've, uh, you know, done a bunch of work in the wine cellar. Uh, so there are lots of projects that were uh, always the things that you never had time to do and suddenly realize you have time to do some of them. Oh, I agree. I think that is a positive of all this. So I think, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I'm finding lots of projects myself, like working on my mobile app and uh, updating my website and uh, doing this podcast, too. Uh, and, uh, Gary, I really thank you for your time today. Uh, it was a very enjoyable interview, and I think uh, certainly teaming is well-positioned in this healthcare uh, situation that we're in. And uh, so wish you all the best, and uh, take care. And uh, to our listeners out there, we'll be back soon with another podcast, so stay tuned to Silicon Dragon.